to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself Perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of the hard work you already did. Newt Gingrich. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan. Producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Dia Hitivali and I'm your host for today's show. Be the Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio and music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio the largest radio network in the world. We have an amazing show planned today, all about perseverance and persistence. In segment two, I will be interviewing Dr. Jean Kanogi, author of Get Up and Fight. In segment three, I will be reading a chapter from our BTSYA for Teens book on the gift of perseverance. And right now for segment one, I will be sharing inspirational stories that embody the power of never giving up. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always been inspired by entrepreneurs and change makers in today's world. I admire stories where someone goes from a humble beginning and through hard work and perseverance reaches their dreams. Perseverance is a trait that I truly admire in a person. It is this admiration that spurred my dream of becoming an entrepreneur. Today, I want to be sharing some stories that remind me just how important persistence is. The first one is a classic story of perseverance, Thomas Edison. As you may know, Thomas Edison is famous for being the face of a lot of innovation during the 19th century. Here's the story of his childhood. One day, when Thomas Edison came home from school and gave a paper to his mother, he said that the teacher gave him this paper and his mother had to open it. Upon opening it, the mother's eyes filled with tears. She told him that the letter said, Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. Many years later, Thomas and Edison had become one of the greatest inventors of the century. One day, he was checking his cupboard and he found a letter. And it was actually the same letter that his childhood teacher wrote to his mother that day. Edison opened the letter and read it. Your son is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. So, basically, what happened is he got a letter and... The mother lied about what the letter is in an attempt of not discouraging him. And that worked because he became a well-renowned inventor. But 
She actually lied about the contents of the letter, but this is what inspired him to keep going. Edison cried for hours and wrote in his diary, Thomas Edison was an adult child that, by the he a hero mother, became the genius of the century. He did so much at a young age. He printed his own newspaper. He also made many inventions, such as the telegraph. Once he became so good at using the telegraph that he got a job as a telegrapher to send signals between the United States and Canada. Another invention that he is super famous for is the light bulb. And he has a famous quote by that where he says, I didn't fail 10,000 times, but I found 10,000 ways that won't work. To me, this quote embodies the spirit of perseverance. The fact that he failed so many times, but he doesn't view it as failure, but instead a solution that simply doesn't work, which means you're one step closer to the solution that does work. What I find crazy is that during his lifetime, Edison pan patented 1,093 of his inventions. Some of these were the microphone, the television receiver, the telephone receiver, the phonograph, kinetoscope, storage battery, electric pen, and mimeograph. To me, Thomas Edison's story is such an inspirational one that I serve to use whenever I feel frustrated. And I think he really embodies the spirit of a true entrepreneur with his perseverance and persistence. Another person I really admire is Harriet Tubman. She had such a hard childhood and I'll be describing it. She was born of nine chair. She was one of nine children born to enslaved parents. As a child, she had a really tough childhood. She was beaten and whipped by her masters and she suffered a traumatic head injury that caused her to experience seizures and headaches throughout her life. Around 1840, her father was free and so was her mother but she still was not able to make her own self free because during that time, slaves didn't have a lot of access to lawyers, so she had to stay as a slave. She was suffering with really poor health, and when her enslaver, Edward Brodus, died, she feared that her relatives would also be sold off and she'd be left with no family. She says that there was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or a death. If I could not have one, I would not have the other. She was able to escape with the assistance of the Underground Railroad. She, and by the time she crossed the state line to Pennsylvania, she was free. What she did is she dedicated her life to freeing more than 700 slaves through the Underground Railroad. To me, I'm so inspired just of how selfless and persistent she is to not just save herself, but risk her life multiple times to save people who are in the same situation as her. To me, that just shows how brave and courageous of a person she was. Another story that I actually didn't know before researching is actually a story of a lady who's relatively unknown and she's from India in Maharashtra. She, her name is Sindhutai Sapkal. Upon abandoned by her family, she delivered a baby girl in a cow shelter outside their house that night when she was nine months pregnant when her husband abandoned her. That baby was born and the mother, Sindhutai, did not have any support from anyone. Even her biological mother refused to shelter the baby because she didn't want to feel dishonored. Fearing that the child would not have enough food for proper nourishment, she had to feed on a pine, which is basically offerings of food during cremations. She had to set aside the thought of suicide and started begging on railway platforms for food. In the process, she realized that there are so many children abandoned by their parents and she adopted them as her own and started begging even more to feed all of them. She devoted her whole life to taking care of orphans. As a result, she is fondly called Mai, which means mother in Hindi. 
She is taking care of over 1,050 orphan children. Now her family consists of over 1,000 grandchildren. She still continues to fight for all of her children. Many of the children she has raised to become well-educated lawyers and doctors, and one of the children is doing a PhD on her life. She has um, won over 273 awards for her well-accomplished life. By the age of 80, her husband came back to her apologetically. She forgave him for his mistakes, and she accepted him as her child, stating that she was only a mother now. She's someone who actually doesn't have any negative emotions or blaming anyone, but just wants to serve her life to help others. All these stories serve as my inspiration of the power of persistence. There is so much power in the human spirit. Your brain always says to give up but your heart is always urging you to keep going for what you truly want. It's always important to listen to what your heart is saying and persevere always. Unfortunately, I am out of time for this segment. Please show your love for more segments by donating on btsya.org. Keep listening for more as I interview Dr. Kano Kaugi in the next segment. The star you are light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit be the star you are.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Be the lucky star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you Listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Dia Hitifali, and today's show revolves all about persistence and perseverance. In this segment, I will be interviewing Dr. Jean Kanokogi, author of Get Up and Fight. Dr. Kanokogi followed in her mom's footsteps and was with her in the trenches. She is a fifth-degree black belt in judo. She's also a senior special agent with U.S government, mentored a high-risk youth, and served on the evaluation committee for the Rusty Kanokogi Fund for the Advancement of U.S. Judo, a scholarship program managed by the Women's Sports Foundation. 
She was inspired by her mom, Rina, also known as Rusty, Kano Kogi. She competed against a man and won, only to have her medal stripped from her for being a woman. Rusty swore to never let the same injustice befall another woman, a vow that sparked a tireless battle that she would take all the way to the Olympics. Her website is um, www.rustykanokogi.com if you want to check it out. We are so excited to have you on the show, Jean. Welcome to Express Yourself. Well, thank you, Dia. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so happy to have you on the show. So um, the first thing I was wondering is how exactly did you get into judo? It's funny, um, being born uh, literally almost on the mat, uh, back then, my mom, Rusty, was teaching judo, and she was pregnant with me. So my mother and father, both judo instructors, and her judo student was her doctor as well. So um, <laughs> as a pregnant woman moving around and teaching judo, it was time to go to the hospital. So the, so the doctor and my mom went to the hospital, but while she was in labor, before she gave birth, the doctor was still trying to practice his form practice, and so they were, they were doing judo in the room while she was waiting to give birth. Uh, for all wow. I know, I could have been born in that because the doctor was right there in the judo class, but since they were in the hospital, it was kind of funny if you look through the room, and judo being a full-contact sport, including choking, arm locks, and pins, you know, looking through the room and watching uh, Rusty and her doctor choking each other and, and arm locking each other must have been quite a scene. But uh, I was born in the hospital through uh, one of Rusty's students, and uh, so that's how I got into judo, almost born on the mat. And then growing up with Rusty as my mom, uh, if I wanted to see her, if I wanted to see my parents, they were always teaching judo. So I kind of rolled around the mat when I was a young young person and started getting interested because not only did I like the physicality of it, but I really enjoyed the family atmosphere because when you step on that mat and when you're playing and practicing judo, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, where you were brought up, what your grades were in school. If one person was a super academic and the other person was not, everybody on that mat was the same. So I loved having a family of uh, every ethnicity, every color, every walk of life, and that really attracted me to judo. So that's how I got into it, just constantly being at the judo classes, which is also the dojo, the judo school, and uh, the camaraderie that you build with the people that you exercise and work out with, as well as being able to see and spend time with my parents. Oh, that sounds like a really nice experience, getting to, getting to have it sort of a family, like a social circle, as well as a passion. And it, I actually really like the story about how um, the doctor was actually doing judo while your mom was in labor. That is like, that's really funny. And I also wanted to know what the difference is between judo, karate, and other martial arts. Well, every martial art has their uniqueness, and, and they bring a lot of knowledge, philosophy, and physicality to the table. Judo involves throws, chokes, arm locks, and pins. So it's a full, full contact where some of the other sports may be performance and not completely full contact, maybe minimal contact. Now, I can't speak in uh, to too much of what all the other sports involve, but I know the difference between judo and, say, some of the other martial arts is just even this, whether it be the scoring system or uh, just the performance and the philosophies. Actually, judo, if you break it down, is the gentle way. And they have different philosophies where uh, the mutual benefit for everyone, which they call jita uh, kyoe in Japanese, means that you bow to your opponent because even though you're going to fight and combat against your opponent, what they do is they're giving you the experience to better yourself so each person is mutually benefiting. 
Oh, that's a really great philosophy, how it's seen not just as, like, other sports, like someone wins, someone lose, but rather both people can learn from the experience. I really like that, um, that whole philosophy around it. So going off of that, since you had a life that was very much consumed with judo, do you feel like you still had um, a so-called normal teen like life? I did. I, I did. Well, to me, it was normal. So, of course, every teenager involves in one level of antics, and, and there's so many things that go around uh, surrounding being a teenager, whether you can, you know, one thing I always joke about is you, you guys can eat any type of junk food and it'll just fall right off of you. When you get a little bit older, it just stays with you forever. So, um, so yes, as a teenager, I ate uh, some junk food, but I, since I was training, it was very minimal uh, because I was always training to compete. But uh, some of the normal teenage antics I, I got involved in, you know, staying out a little bit past curfew, uh, going into an R-rated movie when I should have only been going to a PG movie. So, yeah, I, I was still a typical teenager. Oh, so was since your mom was a rebel during the time by fighting one woman or not really allowed to um, fight, did you kind of follow in these footsteps with the rebellious personality as a teenager, or would you describe yourself more like um, someone who followed the rules? A little bit of both, because uh, as a somebody who didn't follow the status quo is kind of what Rusty was. She was rebellious, absolutely. But she also fought for fairness and for equality, and she stood up for the underdog. And she also protected those that were getting bullied because she was big and she was strong. So I followed in those values, in those footsteps uh, growing up, to try to protect people who were being taken advantage of and also to lead the way. Uh, Rusty was a leader, a natural-born leader, and I feel like I, I inherited a lot of those skills to be able to lead, not for any other reason besides wanting to help people. Now. Being a little rebellious, of course. I I remember I had a pair of jeans, and I really thought that I was going to get punished for the rest of my life because I cut the jeans down the side. Back then, they were, I think the fad was like punk rock music, and I thought it would be really cool if I cut my jeans and I clipped them together with safety pins. Well, unbeknownst to me that I was still growing, and I put on those jeans. I walk out. They're held together with safety pins. And I don't think I got into too much trouble because I think my mom and my dad were just laughing so much. I bent down to pick something up, and all the safety pins just popped open, pinching me, and my pants just fell apart. So uh, that was, my, that was I think, the biggest rebellious thing I did. Oh, that's really funny. Because <laughs> I feel like I used to do that when I was younger, too. Like, I, I would just like try to make my own clothes like make them like more fun than they were before and I would just end up like ruining so many of my tops so um yeah (laughs) so one other question I had about your teenage life did your parents allow you to date or were your parents like more protective or were they more like relaxed and that stuff well they were they were super protective and uh, being I, when I was on the U.S. team, I was I was younger, and when I first got on the team, I think I was about sixteen or seventeen. So what you usually did at judo tournaments is after you compete, everybody goes out, maybe goes dancing, and back then, you know, the clubs were eighteen to get in, or sometimes sixteen not to drink, and eighteen and over to drink. And I wasn't a drinker back then, and. and still not a drinker, but uh, just to go out and dance and blow off steam. But I remember that anytime anybody came near me, she would just, my mother would just walk up and be like, she's 16, go away. She's 16, go away. (laughs) And even if it it was another 16-year-old, she used to tell him, go away, she's 16. Uh, And then as time progressed, uh, they did allow me to date, but um, it pretty much stayed in the judo world. And I really didn't have time because between going to school 
and traveling all over the world and all over the United States, I would make a lot of friends, but I really didn't have time to do too much dating. And if I did go, uh, it would usually be just a group going to the movies or just really a group of friends or, or my judo friends getting together, uh, going out to going out for a bite or just going down to the boardwalk and walking around or go to Coney Island and play at the arcade. But not, nothing really until I got older because of the, just the time constraints. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because that is a big time commitment. So um, kind of going off of that, is it hard to balance um, everything you had during your childhood life, like school and being on the judo team and the social life? Absolutely. You know, I as every teenager needs is a, is a social life. And thank goodness my social life revolved not only around my school friends, but around my friends from judo. Uh, and I made friends all over the world, which was amazing. Back then, we actually never had Internet, so we had to use snail mail and write a letter, put a stamp on it, wait two weeks, maybe three weeks to hear back. So, But, uh, but that, was, that was the life back then, and judo kept my social life because I was so excited to see a lot of my friends at judo tournaments that maybe they didn't live in my neighborhood and I couldn't call them because it was long distance. So we got together during judo tournaments. So that was that was fantastic. But balancing schoolwork. So a lot of tournaments would be on Sunday. I'd have to have all my schoolwork done before I competed or before I traveled. And if I did travel, I would have to take the schoolwork with me or get my notes through a, uh, a classmate and really try to make sure I stayed ahead of my schoolwork. But if I didn't, I would. Uh, my mom would come down hard on me and and bench me pretty much because she would she would not accept my grades falling. But you know, it, it's funny that you ask that because later in life, how it affected me balancing judo and school and a social life, nothing really changes because later on, uh, balancing work and a social life and school, because when I was doing my Ph.D., I, I was working. I still had a life and uh, working on a Ph.D., so I actually learned how to balance. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of times during every vacation, and, and my friends would laugh, I would always be attached to a whole bunch of books, a whole bunch of papers, and a laptop, but I was still able to balance that social life, go on vacation, continue to work. And uh, but I did have my schoolwork attached to me constantly, and and that just uh, fell over from growing up till you know adult life. Yeah, that I think that's a really good skill to learn as a kid on how to balance multiple things because, um, like if you're someone who likes to do a lot of different activities, then balancing them is something that you're going to have to do throughout your life. So. It's really great how you were able to learn that as a teenager. So another question I had was, how was it to travel with your mom as your coach? It was a, it was fun to travel with her as my coach because uh, for the most part, because ever since I, as long as I can remember, we always laughed. Uh, we always just had the same sense of humor, whether we were watching a program on TV or just taking a walk and seeing something funny at the same time and laughing. So I, I was so thrilled to have her as my coach and as my mother, but sometimes it was annoying. And I'll tell you where, how, how it was annoying. If we were out someplace and I wanted to order something fattening, say, or something unhealthy, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I want to get a cheeseburger. And as my coach, you know, she'd be like, hey, you know, go, oh, as my mother, rather, she'd be like, yeah, hey, you know, my daughter can eat what she wants. As my coach, I had to maintain lean muscle mass and kind of stay away from, you know, the French fries and everything else. So as my mother, she would want to feed it to me. And as my coach, she would take it away. So it would uh, be funny. Sometimes I would order dessert and as, as my, she would step in and say, excuse me, but I'm acting as your coach right now. And she would take half my dessert. Oh, that's kind of funny because I feel like, yeah, as parents, they always want to, like, actually, my mom, she always 
like tells my brother and I to stop eating junk food, but that makes sense because I've heard like a lot of my friends like that are from like dance. They always have coaches who encourage them to stop because it just helps you do better in the sport. So um, I was wondering about Project Rusty. So um, is there anything that you can describe about it? Like anything like that you want to tell the viewers like what it's about? Sure. Uh, Project Rusty, we started Project Rusty because we knew uh, the book was going to just be the first of everything. Uh, Rusty was so big and so grand, and she had such a message. Her message was, this book is not about just judo. It's a love story. It's a story of inspiration because a, a regular street kid from Brooklyn who grew up poor in a broken family that was her babysitters were unfortunately called yeah, uh, people from the freak show in Coney Island um, because and, and that's where she learned not to judge a book by the cover. But th- you know this story is just a regular person who had such drive and such dreams and such goals to change the world in which she did. So it's really an inspirational story and it's a story of empowerment. It shows that anybody, as long as you can get, find your get up and fight, can re- reach in and dig deep and get up and fight for what you want and for what's right. And, and that's, part of, that's where Project Rusty is going. Project Rusty wants to be able to empower people, motivate people, and let people know that their get up and fight, it's personal. So it's not, it doesn't have to be Rusty's story, but if your get up and fight is just to get up and go outside because there's something outside that scared you, and now your get up and fight and your goal is to go outside for the day, or your get up and fight is to lose those five or ten pounds. This book is an inspiration because it shows you that an ordinary person can do anything that they want, and that's the direction Project Rusty's going. Uh, I would like to bring this story and a lot of other motivational tales to kids, especially teens, that really need to put down the computers, put down the laptops and phones, find their get up and fight, and really keep forwarding this goodness and including people, uh, embracing the diversity around them and including people, uh, because you can't just do it alone. You can't just go ahead and, and get up and fight and get women's judo as an Olympic sport by yourself. Rusty recruited people on her mission, on her way, to, and she inspired people. Everybody she spoke with said, hey, how can I help? I want to get involved. And that's really where Project Rusty is, is definitely going. Oh, that's a really great initiative. Um, and I really like the message that anyone should just find what they're passionate about and just go for it and pursue that and do that as their passion. And I really like how Um, It's all about embracing the diversity around you because I think that it's such a beautiful thing when you appreciate it. So going off of that, um, did you understand what discrimination was like as a child? I didn't quite understand it, but, you know, as I think I was about 13 or 14 years old, and Rusty explained to me what was going on. And she told me in the most simplistic terms, you are being denied equal opportunity just because you're a girl or at that time and and a woman now. And she explained what the human rights uh, were and how come we should be afforded the same opportunity to compete internationally in the Olympics or in a world championships or the national sports festival. And the only reason we weren't included is because we we were female. So I actually signed, was one of the original people that signed uh, the petition to include women's judo in the National Sports Festival. So uh, I did understand it after she explained it, and I knew it wasn't right. Yeah, I think it's it's gotten better over the years. Like, to the time when I was growing up, um, it was probably a lot worse, like, during that time for sure. But, um, I've, yeah, I've also experienced it in my life, so I kind of relate to that, and it's really frustrating when 
um, as a woman, your work is not respected as much as a man's is. So our show today is all about persistence and perseverance. And it seems that both you and your mom are very persistent people. So can you speak to the per- perseverance that is necessary to compete competitively in a sport like judo? Well, it, it's about understanding that failure is going to happen because you can never succeed unless you have a lot of, a lot of fails. And that's one thing that you have to be persistent. Don't think of failure as, oh, I lost and, and, and this is terrible and, I'm, and, and embrace negative talk. Failure is something that you learn something from every step of the way. Everybody who's a champion, everybody who has made it in this world has failed more times than they succeeded. But we only highlight this success because that's, of course, what we want to hear. So part of persistence and perseverance is to embrace failure, not dwell on it, not have what I call like the Eeyore syndrome, like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh who's always sad and always negative. But understand, say, hey, what did I learn from this? And how can I do this better next time? And that's how you can stay persistent. And that's how you can really just become self-actualized and realize what you need to do to become the champion. And the other thing is uh, you have to sacrifice. You can't have a, you know, you can't spend all your time with your friends and socializing. You can't spend all your time online. And you can't spend uh, just a, a little bit training for what you want to do. You really have to sacrifice and dedicate yourself and understand that it takes a lot of hard work to be able to be a winner. But you know what? Everybody can be a winner if they put the hard work into it. Yes, I definitely agree with that because my parents have always told me that if you want to master a skill, you have to dedicate 10,000 hours to it, which is a huge amount, which will be like over years. And it's really important because I think a lot of people focus on natural ability, which is does play a huge role in success for sure. But like what is way more important, at least in my opinion, is just perseverance and actually like believing that you can do it, first of all, and believing that through practice, it will make a difference. I agree with you. I agree 100%. Yeah. So, actually, we're out of time for this segment, but I'd like to thank you so much, Dr. Kanokogi, for um, coming on the show today, and I absolutely loved your conversation. Please be sure to check out Dr. Kanokogi's book, Get Up and Fight, the memoir of Rina Rusty Kanokogi, the mother of women's judo. Be sure to also check out our website at www.rustykanokogi, which is K-A-N-O-K-O-G-I.com. Keep listening for more as I continue our conversation about perseverance and persistence in the next segment. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestarur.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Be the lucky. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. 
To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. And welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about perseverance and persistence. In this final segment, I will be reading a chapter from the BTSYA for Teens book on the gift of persistence by Cynthia Bryant. Giving up are two words not in my vocabulary. Growing up on the farm, the eldest of five children, money was scarce while love and encouragement were in abundance. We all worked on the ranch picking fruit, driving tractors, and caring for the animals according to our age and skill level. I didn't attend preschool or kindergarten because they didn't exist in our area. At six years old, I started first grade, where I quickly became enthralled with reading, writing, and learning. As I gained knowledge, I went home to quickly share it with my siblings, helping them to learn to read and write before they were to begin their schooling. One day in second grade, our teacher talked about an institution of higher learning called college. That night at dinner, I announced to my parents that I wanted to go to college. They looked at one another and agreed that it would be a great opportunity. However, there was a slight caveat. I would need to figure out a way to earn enough money to finance my own education. No one had ever attended college in my family before. For weeks, we brainstormed how I could accomplish this feat until finally I had the answer. I would raise chicken and sell the eggs. To my young mind, I reckoned that everyone ate eggs. At the ripe old age of eight, I became the chicken lady with a dozen Rhode Island red pullets and a rooster named Chanticleer. I joined 4-H and was a sole member of the Poultry Project, teaching myself the skills of foul husbandry. As soon as my hens began laying, customers lined up to buy my farm fresh eggs, 50 cents for large, 40 cents for medium, and 30 cents for small. Once he understood that I was serious about my new venture, my dad built me larger coops allowing me to breed and buy more hens, which led to more egg production. Every morning, I'd rise at 5 a.m., don my dad's World War II army jacket over my pajamas, and head to the kitchen coops to feed, water, and collect, clean, whey, and box the eggs before leaving to school at 7 a.m. After school each day, my mom would drive me around to deliver my eggs. Then I'd return to the coop in the evening to do it all over again. I entered my chickens and Chanticleer in county and state fairs and soon was winning blue ribbons. With more exhibitions and shows under my belt, Cynthia's chickens were becoming quite well known. Chanticleer and I were a great team. He won grand champion at every event, helping me become California's champion rooster raiser. Despite the challenges of fox, raccoon, weasel, skunk, and mountain lion raids, which diminished my cherished flock, 
as well as freezing and hot spells which killed many birds, I persisted. I hated getting up so early 24-7, earning me the familial title of princess. But I was on a mission to go to college. I budgeted carefully, opening a savings account to deposit every extra penny that wasn't spent on chicken expenses while forgoing personal luxuries. For high school, I learned to sew as another 4-H endeavor so that I could make my own clothes, thus saving more money. It didn't bother me that my name was the chicken lady or the egg lady. Even though, as a teenager, those aren't titles one would usually choose. Since I was captain of the cheerleading squad, and our school mascot was the falcon, we named one of my hens Freddy Falcon, and she became our good luck charm, attending the games in her chicken costume. By my senior year, those 12 chickens grew to over 2,000. By the time I was 18, I had earned enough money from selling eggs to finance my entire university experience. It wasn't easy, and there were many days that I wanted to give up. The never-ending work was not glamorous. The poop had to be scooped, the coop had to be rebuilt, and the hens needed constant care. Yet, by keeping my end goal in mind, I was able to carry on even on the darkest days. I am proud that I didn't give up when the going got tough. My chickens provided me with an irreplaceable education. At the University of Badu, UCLA, University of Hawaii, and Cal Berkeley. Today, I am still known as a chicken lady and the egg lady, as I have a cottage industry of raising a variety of free-range hens to provide farm-fresh eggs at 10 times the cost of my youth, to grateful customers. Moreover, I went from chicken poop to chicken coop to being a New York Times best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul. That chicken manure certainly makes great fertilizer. Here's an exercise called chicken chowder. Whatever you want in life, you can have if you are willing to work long and hard to achieve it. Dream the dream, write your plan, get the skills you need, go into action, find a support person, and believe in yourself and all the possibilities. You don't have to raise chickens or have a blue ribbon rooster like Chanticleer, but you do have to have a dream. When the going gets tough, just keep on going. Carry on. The following poem has helped me throughout most of my detours in life. Whenever I'm ready to throw in the towel, I reread this advice. Let it guide you to success. Don't quit. When things go wrong, as sometimes they will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to cry, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you might, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about. When he might have won had he stuck it out, don't give up even though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when you're the hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Persistence prevails when all else fails. Never give up on your dreams. Said by Cynthia Bryan. I really like this chapter in this book because I find it so inspiring how you went from being a first-generation college student and you raised your whole funds throughout your whole childhood. And just the amount of growth that there was from having, starting off with very few um, chickens and ending up with 2,000 and just like being on the grind to do it every single day and not really ever giving up 
I find that really, really cool. And also, I think it's so interesting how you had that dream when you were just eight years old. And it's something that you you literally kept doing until you were 18 and went off to college. I think that is so inspirational. And that's something that a lot of students can keep in mind that going to college is not, it's not a right that people have. It's more just a privilege and a blessing that if you're going to, but you should really make the most of the opportunity because some people have to work really hard to get into it. So I think this story is a really good reminder of that if you really want something in life and you work hard enough for it, you can still achieve it as long as you don't really give up and you stay persistent. And I think it's so cool how it became kind of like a hobby like it was um you earned the title of california's champion rooster raiser which is really cool and you made it impact like even the the high school mascot making it the cheerleading squad and i think it's so cool how also you've like branched out since a lot of people just focus on like one thing throughout their life but you went to four different colleges, which is a lot. And you also have done this acting and then a New York Times bestselling author of this book. So I really like this story a lot. And I think it's really inspirational. And I also think the poem really matches well with the chapter. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryant, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. As a reminder, perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself go